Welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Colvin. So glad you could join me. And if this is your first time listening, well, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a musician, an artist, and a podcaster. And unfortunately, I'm a straight white male, which apparently means I'm evil and I will never be able to appear in a television commercial. Uh, well, unless I want to play a dumb guy. Hey, there you go. But now that I've cleared that up, let me tell you what's on tap for this show today. I think it's probably going to be a little bit random. I'm going to tell some stories, talk about myself, play some cool tunes, and, uh, you know, I think you'll want to stick around. But if you get done with this episode and you feel like you still just haven't gotten enough of me... May I suggest that you go check out the In Obscuria podcast. It's hosted by Kevin Williams and Robert Harrison. They talk about cool bands that maybe should have been huge, but they weren't. And they've had episodes about Galactic Cowboys and Saigon Kick. And most recently, they did a whole episode on me. Why? Yeah, I know it sounds crazy. But it's really well done, it sounds great, and they play a lot of music on there. I think you'll dig it. It's called In Obscuria. And I really appreciate those guys doing that. Uh, They interviewed Alex and I when we were at Rockin' Pod. And we talked about Galactic Cowboys, my bass tone, my art, some of my favorite bands. And we also talked about Crunchy. And one of their questions was, are any of your Crunchy albums available online? And at the time, I said, well, no, uh, I haven't gotten around to doing that. I've been kind of busy with my art and everything, but uh, hopefully I'll get to that. But when we got back from the trip, I thought, you know, maybe I should put those things on my website. And so that's what I did. And so if you'd like to get my crunchy CDs, just go to my website, monicolvinart.com, and you can find those under CDs and Merch. And you can order them right there. You can use PayPal on the website. Or if you want to use a credit card or Venmo or something like that, just message me. Now, if you're one of those modern people and you don't really need CDs and you just want to download the files, there again, message me or drop me an email and we can work that out. But the first day I put them up for sale, I didn't know really how many I'd sell. But as it turned out, I sold a whole bunch. And the next day, I mailed them all out, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback from you guys. It seems that a lot of you like the crunchy stuff. And I know some of you bought those albums when they came out back in the early 2000s, but I also know there's people like the guys on In Obscuria who are just now discovering it. And so I thought what I'd do to start the show off today is uh, tell you a little background on those CDs. You know, just in case you didn't know any of the history behind all that stuff and even why I did those albums. So let's go back to around 99, 2000. 
And Galactic Cowboys had just put out what was supposed to be our last album. And I had just gotten really discouraged with everything. We'd done several albums from Metal Blade, but nothing seemed to ever work. We had a European tour fall through. We lost a publishing deal around that time. And when we'd play shows for our hometown in Houston, hardly anybody would show up. So I told the guys, you know, I think it's time to call it a day. So I packed up all my equipment and moved it back to Kansas City where I was now living. And I bought a drum machine and uh, one of those uh, Tascam 8-track recorders. And I just started writing songs and making demos for a new solo album. Well, I ended up getting some interest from Metal Blade and a small label in New Jersey called SAR. And I eventually signed with SAR because uh, they were like, listen, this stuff is really radio friendly. And we think we can get you on the radio to a whole new audience. And I thought, awesome, that sounds great. So I went to Jeff Sheets' studio there in Kansas City and started recording All Day Sucker, and I financed it with my own money and credit cards. And I made the huge mistake by letting a couple of guys that I thought were my friends play on the album. But then one of the dudes just abruptly quit and then proceeded to go on the Galactic Cowboy message board and tell everyone I was a really bad guy. And then this a-hole ends up suing me. And he claimed that I owed him money as a studio musician. And I never really knew what the whole deal was with him because he never came and talked to me. But I'm pretty sure he did it in Christian love. Uh, either that or he's just a douchebag. But either way, I learned a good lesson. And I swore from that day forward that I would never be a nice guy ever again. And if I ever did another Crunchy album, I would do everything myself. So that didn't get things off to a great start. But I still had a label that told me they believed in me and they were going to promote it. And they put it out and they did promote it for what I'm going to say was maybe one month, maybe two. And then they started telling me they were having financial problems. And soon after that, I got a phone call from them and they said, well, we're going bankrupt. And I said, okay, well, what's that mean? And they said, well, it means your album's dead. And of course, that was not good news to me, uh, but I said, uh, well, uh, are you still going to give me that $10,000 you owe me? And they said, nope. And I was like, ouch. And then I said, well, I can have my album back, right? And they said, nope. And so at that point, I was just completely screwed. And it left me and my wife at the time completely financially devastated. To the point where we ended up going bankrupt and uh, losing our house. So at that point, things just really couldn't get any worse. Or maybe they could. In 2001, I had to find employment at a factory there in Kansas City. And when I'd get home from work, I'd dive into a deep, dark depression. For all intents and purposes, my career was over. I'd put about two years of work into an album and had nothing to show for it. And that's why to this day, if you want to hear All Day Sucker, you'll have to have me send you the MP3s. Because I literally am just about out of any CDs that I had. But I'll tell you what, even though that first Crunchy album was pretty much a disaster for me, I still love the songs. It was a catchy power pop album, and I'm still proud of it.
So my attempt at doing a solo album had turned into a big failure. So I immediately just gave up and retired from music altogether. Well, no, not really. Actually, I did kind of the opposite. After spending all day working in a factory, I would come home at night and start writing new songs. I made a little bitty studio there in the basement of my house. And for the next year, I recorded the Clown School Dropout album. I hired a guy named Rod Lincoln to play the drums, but everything else I did myself. And then I put it out on my own, quote, label. And it was all mine. No one could screw with me, no one could sue me, no one could tell me what to do with it. And no, I didn't make much money from it, but I sure did express myself. Everything from love to frustration to downright anger. Shining like a jewel I'm the fool 
Sales-wise, my second solo album, Clown School Dropout, was once again a huge disappointment. No matter how hard I tried to promote it on places like MySpace, it just wasn't happening. And in 2003, I just had to be real and honest with myself and say, you know, maybe I should just, you know, write more songs and do another album. Ah! Except this time, I'm going to make a rock opera, kind of like Tommy by The Who. And I'm going to write songs that tell the story of a nerdy geek who falls in love with a punk rock chick named Vicky. And I'm going to take the listener through the ups and downs of a relationship. And people, I spent the next four years in my basement recording the album Loserville. And I've had people tell me that they think it's a masterpiece. And I'm sure there's some people that didn't like it at all. But for me, it's the one album in my entire career that I'm the most proud of. Because I listen to it once, maybe twice a year. And every time I hear it, I go, holy crap, I worked my ass off on that thing. And it's been over 15 or 16 years since I recorded that stuff. And when I think back about it now, I don't even know how or why I did it. But regardless if anybody likes it or buys it, I'm just glad I made Loserville.
So there you go, there's some history behind some of my solo stuff. And if you're interested in having any of that, once again, you can find it on my website, monicalvinart.com, or you can just message me. And if you're not interested in it at all, uh, I understand. I was talking to Carrie Livgren years ago, uh, the genius that wrote uh, Carry On Wayward Son and uh, Dust in the Wind, and he actually played a guitar solo on one of my songs on Loserville. And one night we were hanging out and we were talking about my Crunchy albums. And the first thing he said was, uh, hey, that uh, painting you did on the cover of Clown School Dropout. And I said, yeah. And he kind of laughed and he said, uh, was that a self-portrait? And I said, uh, you mean the clown? Uh, yeah. And he kind of got a kick out of that. But then I was telling him how frustrating it was to put out these albums and no one seemed to care. And of course, he did a lot of solo albums after he left Kansas. And he said, well, you know, people will always gravitate toward the band that you're known for. So the moral of the story is even if your solo stuff is great, unless your name is Sting, uh, don't get your hopes up. Well, I'm not really expecting much here. All right, time to get random. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was this whole controversy with Bud Light and this tranny named Dylan Mulvaney. I think that's the name. And I'm sure you've heard about this by now, but Bud Light decided it would be a good idea to go woke and put a trans person on some of their beer cans. Because after all, frat boys and dudes that like to drink Bud Light just love transsexuals. However, it did not go over well, and Bud Light lost billions. Now, where do I stand on the whole issue? Well, like I've said before, if you're an adult and you want to cut your junk off, well, that sounds horrible to me. Yeah, it just sounds like a really bad idea. However, I gotta say, if you're willing to do that, uh, that is some commitment to insanity. I guess I actually respect that a little bit more than the guys that just put on a dress and tell everyone that they're a woman now. Because you can wear lipstick and pantyhose all day long, but you're never gonna have to deal with woman things like PMS. And any of you guys who have lived with or dated a woman who has PMS, you know what I'm talking about. Once a month, you're standing there talking to them, you think everything is fine. And then all of a sudden, nothing makes sense. There is no reasoning with them, and all you can think is what the hell is going on. But after a few years, uh, it'll start to dawn on you at some point. You will have been arguing for a couple of hours over something that in your mind doesn't even matter. When the thought will suddenly enter your mind, oh, I wonder if this is PMS. But I gotta warn you, under no circumstances should you say to her, uh, are you PMSing? Because if you do, my friend, you are taking your life into your own hands. Because by suggesting that it might be PMS, you are questioning the validity of their feelings. And so of course it's not PMS. Shut your damn mouth and go get her some flowers. Um, nice try. So do I think these guys who dress up like women are actually women? Well, no. And I know that's outrageous for me to say, but uh, you know, that's just me. Or maybe it's just a fact. But when it comes to people like Dylan Mulvaney, I'm not even as bothered by their insulting impressions of women or that they claim to be women. 
The reason I don't like him, her, is because he may be just about the most annoying, obnoxious person I've ever seen in my life. And the reason average Americans may not want him on their beer cans may not be because they're transphobes or homophobes, but instead are just people who are annoyed by grown men trying to act like 13-year-old girls. Could be. Okay, hang on. Uh, let me check something real quick. Uh, yeah, okay. All right, it's official. The last woke liberal to ever listen to this podcast has just stopped listening. Of course, you ding-dong. Okay, another commercial that really bugs me, and let me know if you've seen this. It's from Amazon, and it's got this teenage girl in her bedroom. And it's got this music playing over the top going, Because you're a cool cat. Yeah, have you seen this? No! But uh, she looks lonely, and I'm kind of feeling sorry for her. But then she sees this Freddie Mercury bobblehead sitting on her dresser. And then she gets the idea, hey, I think I'll get on Amazon and order one of those cool flamboyant Freddie Mercury jackets. And of course, she instantly gets it and puts on the jacket and some white wrestling shoes. And then she goes to school, walks into a classroom full of classmates, and starts dancing right in the middle of the room with her headphones on. And all the kids are looking at her like, that's weird, what are you doing? But she's just flailing away like she's on drugs or something. But she finally sits down at her desk, and as the commercial is coming to a close, the camera zooms in right on her mouth, and she's got whiskers on her upper lip. And she just smiles. And I thought about it, and you know, because it's 2023, it can't just be a commercial for some product. There has to be another message. And the message I got was, it's okay, you be you. If you're a teenage girl and you've got a mustache, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's kind of like, if you're morbidly obese, don't let anyone tell you that you're not beautiful and shouldn't be on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue. And I know it's real popular right now to say, you just be you. But let's be honest. If you've got a teenage daughter in high school who has a mustache, just do the right thing. Take her to the wax factory and get that shit taken off. She'll thank you later on in life. Oh, hate speech, hate speech. Anyway, sorry, I don't mean to come off too abrasive, but I guess it's just me trying to be me. The hypocrisy. My friend Matt from KC was in town the other day. And he said, you know, I've listened to every rock cast you've ever done going back to the first episodes. And I said, wow, thanks, Matt. And he said, yeah, and you know, you haven't changed much over the years. You're still a grumpy old man. And I said, yep, that's me. A completely miserable human being. All right, randomly switching gears now. How about I talk about the new Metallica album? I haven't heard a lot of reviews on this yet, so I will be giving you my own opinions, and they will be based solely on how I feel. I started to read what one guy had to say the other day about it, and his whole thing started with, uh, Metallica at this point is above criticism. And I thought, you know, I can't disagree more. I don't care who you are, any person, politician, or artist, you can always be critiqued. 
And let me just start out by stating that Metallica is one of my favorite bands of all time. To me, they're right up there with the Beatles, and I would consider them the greatest metal band ever. But if we just take a look at this new album at face value, how's it stack up? So I think I'm going to take it track by track, and let's see how this goes. You may agree with me, in which case you would be exactly right. Or you may choose to disagree with me and think I'm full of crap. To which I will say, well, you're entitled to be wrong. That's fine. Either way, let's get it going. The name of the album is 72 Seasons, and that is the name of the first track. Okay, well this intro is very long, but I'm liking it so far. So this is about the third time I've been through this album, and I would say this is one of the better songs. I like that they're trying to thrash out a little bit, and even though I don't think it has a great chorus, at least it has a chorus. Song number two is Shadows Follow. Follow. 
Okay, I like the verses alright, but that chorus doesn't really do much for me. It's not terrible, but on a scale of 1 to 10 bloody metal skulls, I would put this at maybe a 4 or a 5. In fact, I was a little bit bored. So let's move on to number 3, Screaming Suicide. Okay, you may have heard this song on the radio, I think it's a single, and I would say it's alright, it rocks, and I'm sure if you're in the band it's a lot of fun to play. But on a scale of 1 to 10, I would probably only go about 7. I think it's good, slightly catchy in parts, but overall uh, it doesn't blow me away. But let's move on to track 4, which is Sleep Walk My Life Away. Ah, they're actually letting you hear the bass player on this album.
red light. Okay, I'm not trying to be a dick, but it does remind me of something else, which I guess that's okay. You know, if you wrote it, uh, you can repeat yourself. I just thought the other one was a better song, that's all. But I'm gonna move on to number five because this one has a cool title, You Must Burn. Work scapegoat. Okay, now I am just being a dick. Okay, well, so far, this was my least favorite song. To me, it sounds like they went in the studio, started jamming on a riff, and they went, okay, there you go, there's a song. But here's one that does sound like they worked on it a little bit. This was the first single. I know you've heard it by now, but just to refresh your memory, it's Lux Eternal. I think I've talked about this before. It reminds me of Motorhead, so I like it. It rocks, it's got a lot of energy. I like the bam, bam, bam accents, that's cool. It's got somewhat of a chorus, so I'll give it like uh, an eight. I don't think it's a great Metallica song, but it doesn't suck. And that would bring us to track number seven, Crown of Barbed Wire.
All right, my thought on this one is the same thought I've had on many of these songs, which is if this were by any other band not named Metallica, would anyone care about this song? I know it's not doing much for me, so let's just move on to track number eight, which is called Chasing Light. Well, this definitely isn't turning out to be the thrash album I thought they were going to give to us. It's more of just like a hard rock or heavy metal album, which, you know, I guess that's all right. But for some reason, I thought it was going to take us back to like the first three albums, and it's definitely not that. But I do personally like the chorus on this song, pretty catchy. But that's about it. Uh, the next song is called If Darkness Had a Sun. Okay, I like this. Uh, I'm a sucker for this kind of thing. I love this. You know, uh, I gotta warn you, almost every song in this album has really long intros, which isn't always a good thing, but in this case, it is. 
Now I'll have to say I like this song. Grooves a little bit, has a good chorus, and I would give this a nine. It kind of reminds me of one of their other songs, maybe something off the Black Album. I can't think of what it is right now, but a pretty good rockin' tune. I like it. Track number 10 is Too Far Gone with a question mark. Will you tell me? Wow, harmony vocals on the chorus. Now who would think to do that? But they do some harmony guitar parts on here that kind of remind me of Thin Lizzy, and so that's cool. Let's see where we at. Okay, number 11 is Room of Mirrors. Okay, what do I say about this? Uh, I'm gonna say the song is pretty rockin'. And once again, if you're in the band and you're playing this live on stage, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's a lot of fun. But if you're a band that only puts out an album every 10 to 20 years, do you think it would be possible to maybe just come up with a really awesome chorus? And I'm really, really not trying to be a smart ass here. I was really hoping this album would blow my mind, but songs like this uh, just aren't doing it for me. And finally, track number 12, Inamorita, or something like that. It's 11 minutes long, but I will have mercy on you and not play the whole thing. So there's a line in this song where he says the word misery. And if I wanted to be a real jerk, I could say misery. Yeah, that's the way I feel when I hear this song. 
But I'm not gonna say that. No, I'm not a dick. Only a real dick would say something like that. But what I will say is that this song goes on and on and I couldn't wait for it to be over. Just being honest. And I know that all sounds kind of harsh, but really, if you're one of the biggest bands in the history of mankind and you're filling stadiums and arenas full of people, you're gonna have to be held to a little higher standard. And I know millions of people are gonna buy this and they're probably gonna love it and say it's the best thing Metallica has done in years. And that's great, but I was just a little disappointed. Not that I expected it to be Master of Puppets or Ride the Lightning. And for what it's worth, it is better than Saint Anger. In fact, there's parts of this album that I like a lot, and if I had 500 bucks to go see Metallica live, uh, I would dig a lot of these songs live. But for me, I'm just telling you that I probably won't listen to this CD ever again. But that's just me, I still all but worship the uh, mighty James Hetfield. But on a scale of uh, 1 to 10 bloody metal skulls, with 10 being a masterpiece and 9 pretty much crushing your skull. I'm going to say 72 seasons is uh, like a 4 if I'm being nice. Or maybe a 3 if I'm being a total dick. What a jerk! But that's just my opinion and I'm sure the guys in Metallica will never hear this. Because if they did and I ran into Lars someday... I'm sure he'd say something like, Hey, are you the fucking guy that did that fucking review on our fucking album? To which I would say, uh, no, Lars, that was not me. I loved 72 seasons. That is just the height of bullshit. Anyway, it's time for me to get out of here, and I just want to say thanks so much for listening. There were times, honestly, I zoned out a little. I just really appreciate all you guys that download this show and order my CDs and prints. You're all great. There are not that many. There really aren't. If you want to send me a message, feel free, and don't forget to visit my website, monicolvinart.com. What are you doing? Go paint! I'm going to send you off with a new song off the new album from the Hell Freaks. My girlfriend Alex thinks the only reason why I like this band is because she thinks I have a crush on the singer. But that's not true. You're the only one for me, Alex. And the reason I like the Hell Freaks is because they're a great band, they are great musicians, and they kick all kinds of ass. I did not know that. But that's going to do it for me for now. I will return soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this has been Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like. Unless it's me. And rock on.
This has been Monty's Rockcast. You couldn't make this up.